So we are currently in a sermon series regarding the Beatitudes in the book of Matthew. So Beatitude, from Latin, is a declaration of blessedness. And actually, a lot of this originates from the uh, Old Testament, especially in the Psalms. Like the very first Psalm is, uh, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. So this actually, the idea of blessedness actually started in the Old Testament Psalms. So last week, Ryan gave an overview, highlighted the following. The Beatitudes are an invitation, and they're not a set of stipulations. What we mean by that, this is not something we have to struggle to make it happen. You can't just all of a sudden decide, okay, today I'm going to wind up being poor in spirit. It's not something that you conjure up. It's something that happens to us. The problem is if we, in the Beatitudes, if we try to conjure this stuff up, we wind up taking vows of poverty, self-flagellation, which I don't know if you've ever seen it where they have people that actually like, you know, they actually have like whips and stuff and they will beat themselves in order for them to go ahead and become poor in spirit. And then, of course, there's always general grumpiness. Now, I don't experience that ever, but I know some of my friends do. So this is not what the Beatitudes are all about. So if you're grumpy, you're not doing the Beatitudes right. So when it talks about blessed, it means, actually, it's really an interesting word. We, it's been translated as happy, but I don't think that's what it really means. Happy is something that's it can happen depending on your circumstances. The word actually means truly well off or those for whom everything is good. And so there's a difference there. And so let's read the actual scripture. This is Matthew 5, 1 through 12. It says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So today we're going to talk about what it means to be poor in spirit. You might think on Mother's Day, but actually, <laughs> it's actually, a, very, actually a, a, a really good teaching. So the meaning of the word poor in Greek means one who has nothing and is completely empty. Jesus is saying that those who have nothing and are completely empty are blessed. So this smacked in the face of what the original Jewish culture thought. So if you look up here, what the original Jewish culture thought that those were blessed it was only the Jewish nation. That means guys like us who were Gentiles, not a chance. Only men allowed. It was a man's club. Only for the holy and pure, keepers of the Ten Commandments. Only for the healthy. Sick people need not apply. Sickness was a sign of God's curse. That's what they believed. And if you're poor, forget it. Only the financially blessed are allowed in. And that's what they believed. So it's kind of like if I have money, if I'm 
if I'm a Jewish male, I get it. But if I'm other than that, I don't. And then Jesus shows up. So what Jesus did is he blessed the poor. He touched lepers, sick people. He healed Gentiles. And he forgave notoriously sinful females. I think they mentioned females because some women, they realized their need. When probably a lot of the guys were like, they just they didn't have the humility to be able to go and, and receive the forgiveness. So Jesus actually touched a bunch of people that the society really had nothing to do with. So, so what is Jesus really saying here? I believe he's saying the reason the poor in spirit are blessed is because they recognize their desperate need for God and God is willing to take them in. So let's look at Luke. It talks a little bit more about this and I want to add this. So he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue. This was Jesus, as he was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovering of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So who's the year of the Lord's favor for? For the poor, the sick, the Gentile, the woman, and the oppressed. So Jesus did not come only for those who had it all, like the Jewish culture thought. He came for everyone, including those who nobody else wanted. That does not mean he did not come for the rich. But I guess the question is, people that were rich, did people really want Jesus? They have all they need, so they don't need God, even though in, they're rich in reality, they're spiritually bankrupt. So I think this is why the poor in spirit are so blessed. Even though nobody in society wants them, God desperately wants them, and he wants them to join his family. See, the thing is, with Jesus and with God, he sees beyond the physical and looks into the heart, and that's what he sees. And that's a good thing for us, because if we have nothing we can still have Jesus. So one other thing I want to look at is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 26-31. Just to, sorry, kind of getting around scriptures here a little bit. I barrage you with the word. But it says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things that the things are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. You hear that? We can't boast before God. Our salvation does not become because we're these great people. It's because God loved us. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So, one other point. This is really important. Even though we may be poor in spirit in our culture and to our society, we are not to remain poor in spirit with each other. I think that I've been in, in our church for 25 years, and... Um, I've seen some people that have had some pretty horrible pasts, just a lot of stuff that they've dealt with, brokenness and hurting. And I think the thing that I love about our, a church 
especially our church, is it's almost like it's kind of a divine forgetfulness. So somebody comes in, they may have done drugs or, or single mom or, or somebody that's just destitute. But what happens is God incorporates them into his church. That changes. And so when I look around, like for me, when I look around at you guys, I don't see ex-drug addicts. I don't see people that are broken and hurting. What I see is I see the people of God. And that is what is so important. I think that's one of the great aspects of why the poor in spirit are blessed is because God is giving them an opportunity not only to know him, but to have a church culture, a family that will love them. I think of the people that like sometimes people get sick and, you know, people will take, we, we get together as a church and we take them food and stuff like that. That's a real blessing. And I think it's important. So, I think this is why the early church was so effective in changing the culture. They loved well, and they loved deeply, and they loved everyone, even the poor and dying. They accepted people, warts and all. And um, that's really the truth. The, uh, in the early church, they would actually, the Roman culture was such that if you were rich and you were famous, that was what you wanted to be. But there was this countercultural of, Christ, countercultural of Christians that would care for the dying, the weak, and the poor. And what happened is eventually the Roman culture came to realize that their culture was empty and it had nothing really to offer. And that's why Christianity spread so much. I want to go ahead and show a video. And, and what this is, this is a video of a guy. And I've shown this before. I love this video. But it's a video of a guy named David Parker. He's, he's one of the pastors at the Lancaster Vineyard. And he's telling a story about this lady that started coming to his church. So we could go ahead and do that. Let's do it. Oh, sorry. I must unplug. Just take a second for this thing to kick in. There he is. It's supposed to be right about. Yeah, that's perfect. Let's start it right there. You know, one Sunday I went looking because I, I try to get off uh, away from the end of the service where we invite people to receive prayer and we have a prayer team there. And, and, and if, if I can get off the stage fast enough, I won't get in caught in a line of having to pray for people. And I can look around the room and search out people that look uncomfortable and meet them for the first time. I love to do that. Love to engage with people that uh, and unfortunately, I have these awkward conversations where I say, hey, I'm David. We've never met. And they say, I know, but I've been going here 11 years. Yeah, I mean, I have those awkward conversations. That's really terrible. But but uh, on one Sunday, I, I found this, this gal in line. She was in line to get the message after the service from kind of the media area. And and I saw her and she seemed very uncomfortable. So I went up and introduced myself and I said, hi, I'm David. And and she wouldn't look me in the face. She took my hand, but she wouldn't look me in the face. She told me her name. I said, have you been coming here very long? She said, for a few months. I said, has it been, has it been helpful to you? you know, I said, and finally she looked up at me and she said, yes, it, it really has. She said, I, I feel like for the first time uh, maybe I could have a relationship with God. And I said, that's so great. That's, that, that's why we're here. That's, I just love to hear that. And she she looked at me and said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure, go ahead. She said, uh, is it all right for me to invite friends? So she then explained. 
She said, I work at such and such a club, and I've been inviting people that come there, customers that come there. She was telling me she's a stripper at this strip club that's down the street and that she was inviting the men that put dollar bills in her her G-string to come to church. And I said to her, you bet, that's what we do. I'm so glad you're doing that. That's exactly who we are, that we do that kind of thing. Now, now that that not everyone in my church would have said that to her. There would have been some that would have not said it like that. But I said, that's exactly what we do. And she was waiting for me to condemn her, just waiting. I wouldn't do it. Not because I, I wouldn't perf- want her to do something different and, and change her situation, but I, you know, I am not a rabbi. I am not the disciplinarian. I'm not, I don't know where we get this mentality that as leaders we're called to write tickets to the body of Christ. Like, oh, here you go. You know, that's bad. Here you go. Here's your ticket. Like, whoever gave us that job, I don't know. It wasn't Jesus. I don't have that job. I believe the Spirit does convict people, and I'm fully trusting him. And I'm supposed to engage them with the truth and with all the love and mercy I can generate out of my life. And so I looked at her and said, hey, that's great. So glad you're inviting your friends. And she looked at me like, I can't believe it. She said, then she offered, this is the way it works. She said, I guess I'm going to have to get a different job. I said, you know, the Lord will really lead you. He really will. If you follow him, he'll lead you. He will. A few months later, I saw her. I couldn't even recognize her. You know, she was attractive but very hard-looking. And, and I, I, she told me more of her story. You know, she was a single mom, no education, no real skills, you know, couldn't even possibly support herself working at McDonald's. And here there was a lot of money, and this is what she did. And so as we talked about it, I really said, you know, pray, ask the Lord. Two, two months later, I see her. She looks different. She just looks different. I say, what's going on? She said, you know, you won't believe it. She said, I, I, I really did pray about it. And, and a friend said there's this guy, and he was looking for a receptionist at his building. And so I, I went, and they gave me the job. And, and I, I took my son, and I put him in the school. We have a school, and the tuition's very low because people don't have much. And so I put him in the school. She just, you know, like life is being transformed. And life's being transformed because there's risk. You know, I think that if she was sitting next to, uh, say, another person in our church, a good person, maybe who's really trying to do everything right and keep everything together and found out that she was sitting next to this stripper and some of her customers, they would just be appalled. You know, I have this conversation all the time. I know I'm supposed to be like speeding through the notes and I'm not. But I have this conversation all the time. I real, someone I, I really was, I respect them. I, I understand their heart. They'll come to me and they'll say, Pastor, can't you do something? This is Southern California, remember? And, and we're on the poor side of the San Fernando Valley. We're 40 minutes away on the poor side. And the San Fernando Valley is the porn capital of the earth, of the earth. And so we have lots of people who find... I think you get the point. If I can get the point. Okay, here we go. I'm plugging back in. The point that I wanted to make with that, you know, we talk about the poor in spirit. That lady 
was probably what you might classify the poor in spirit. What happened with her, she came to this church, and instead of condemning her, they embraced her. And guess what happened? God changed her life. Not a bunch of Pharisees, not a bunch of church people. It was God that changed her life. Who knows what's happened? You know, I honestly don't know. None of us will ever know probably whatever happened to that lady. Who knows? Right now, she could be married. She could be happy. She could actually be a leader in the church somewhere. But it's because Jesus gave this person a chance. Just like he gave every single one of us a chance. Nobody. Nobody's beyond redemption ever. I'm sorry. It just really, it's just, you know, I've been, I've been in churches where we've, uh, we'll get together and it was funny. I had this one church that, um, if you got sick, you wouldn't come to church because you didn't have enough faith. And I thought to, you know, I think to myself now, how foolish is that? That's almost kind of like the stuff that this early church did where you have to be healthy, you have to be wealthy, you have to be well. And if you're not, then you're not really following Jesus. But you know what? Every single one of us have to start somewhere. And God will change our lives. And that's what it's all about. Let's see what else I got to say here. So why are the poor in spirit blessed? Why? Number one, Because first of all, Jesus loves them and will never, ever, ever cast them away. I think that is the most important thing of all. And the second thing is this. Because God wants to give them a community that is is to truly care about them. When the world pushes them away, they can run to a church that welcomes them with open arms. I've seen so many instances, actually, even sometimes today, where people have not been part of our church for a while, they come back, and we love them. I had this one lady came one time. It was probably about a year ago or so, and she just said, you know, she came and gave me a hug, and she said, Bob, you know, I just felt like I had this vision, and I came back to this church, and you just looked at me, and you turned away from me. And I said to her, when have I ever turned away from you in all the years that we've known each other? And it it hurt. It was like, Why would I ever be that kind of person? Do you see what that means? The only people that never, that that I've seen people get whacked before. I've seen the Pharisee and I've seen where, you know, but it's never been by Jesus. It's always been by people that think that they know a little bit better. And I, like I've told you before, I've had friends that won't step foot in a church because they've been treated poorly. But when people are treated kindly and with the love of God, they come back. Whether It may not be this church, but hopefully they'll come back to another church. Okay, so here's another question. So if you're following this, you're thinking, okay, wait a minute. I have a decent amount of money. What about me? And so I think the important thing that we need to realize is this. Whether you are rich or whether you are poor, if you have given your life to Jesus, you are saved, right? It has nothing to do with your stuff, what it has to do. So, but how you handle your stuff can affect how effective you are in the kingdom. And uh, for me, I've seen in my own life, the thing that I have to do a lot is look at the stuff that I have and make sure the stuff that I have doesn't have me. And you know what? One of the things that I can usually tell I'm going off the rails 
is if God says, hey, I want you to give some money to a friend and, and I can't get it out of my hand because I think, well, wait a minute, God, you know, I need this money for me. I need it for my car. I need it for my jacuzzi. I need it for my hot tub. But that's not the purpose of this stuff. It's the heart attitude. I could have all the money in the world, or I can almost, I can have 20 bucks in my pocket. But what it boils down to is when Jesus says, give that away, whether I say yes or no, that's what the hard attitude is. Okay? Oh, what just happened here? Let me go back and make sure I got the. All right. So, who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? I think this is a good point. The early. The early Jewish community believed the greatest in the kingdom of God was probably Moses, Elijah, the people that had money, white guys. I don't know. I believe it is the person who is the most obedient, regardless of status, health, or riches. And I just want to say that again. It is the most obedient, regardless of health, status, or riches. So, picture, if you will, the, the end times. We're all, we're all in heaven. We're all standing before the Lord. And so what God's going to start doing, he's going to start calling people up to receive their rewards. Let's just say first from the last. And so everybody's in anticipation. Who's going to be the first? All the pastors are like, well, hopefully it's probably one of the pastors because, you know, we preach the word. And then other people think, well, it's probably going to be Moses. It's probably going to be Elijah. And so Jesus said, okay, the first person I want to come up is that woman we heard about in the video. Because you know why? What she did is she turned her life around. She gave her life to God completely and totally. She served her church. She served her family. She served her community. And whenever God told her to do something, she did it. So she got to go up first. And you know what? How do we know that's not true? I believe it actually is. I think what happens is when the first person's called up, we are going to be completely surprised. It could be somebody from Africa. It doesn't matter. What matters is obedience. So the thing that you have to realize, whatever your circumstances in life, that doesn't matter to God. What matters to God is that you give your life over to him. That's the important thing. You know, I'll just be quite honest. I think that mothers... We t it's kind of interesting that we, we, we talk about this on Mother's Day because I have seen mothers that have laid down their lives over and over and over again for their children. And there's got to be a blessing in that. I'm serious. You know, I, I tell you, it makes me cry because I think about my mom, all the stuff that she did for me. I, how can you put a price on stuff like that? So if you're a mom, if it's tough, You've got little kids, and they may be driving you crazy every once in a while. What's going to happen is they're going to turn into old guys like me someday, and we're going to be very thankful. We really will. Okay? Just want to say that. It's the truth. I remember, like, you know, I used to, use, I used to try to manipulate my mom, and, and she'd go for it. But, boy, my dad would catch it. He put a stop to that right away. But what happened is I eventually I realized that, you know, how much I love my mom. And, and I was just so just so grateful for having her. And so, guys, if you got a you got a wife or you got a mom that's that's around, make sure you give them a call today. 
take them out to dinner or just do something really nice for them because they are special.